Hold on a second. Let's do it again. What's up, y'all? <laughs> <laughs> we're not we're not editing all any of this out. We're just, we're just rolling. <laughs> What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Formula America podcast, the first and only Formula One podcast from the American fans' perspective. We're your hosts. I'm Kurt. That's Dylan. And we're here to discuss all of the drama, all the controversy, all the technical tidbits, and everything else that is Formula One related. So thank you for tuning in. Today, Dylan and I are going to discuss basically a 2022 year in review, like what we thought about the 2022 season. But first off, Dylan, how the hell are you, man? Doing good, Kurt. Excited to be here. Dude, this is this is fun. And I, I was thinking, since this is technically, I guess, our first official podcast, we should probably introduce ourselves. Yeah, so, that's probably a good idea. Maybe. So you know who you're dealing with. Um, so anyways, my name is Kurt. I've been a motorsport fan for a long time, huge car guy ever since I was a kid. Um, you know, always been into motorsports, like I said, mostly into MotoGP as a kid. Uh, but then, like a lot of other people, you know, 2018, whatever, whenever Formula One, uh, I'm sorry, whenever Drive to Survive came out, just went headfirst into the Formula One world. And, you know, since then, I, I can't get enough. I, all the Formula One content I can consume, I'm there. Um, and, you know, Dylan and I have been uh, able – luckily, we've been fortunate enough to be able to attend a race each year since 2019, you know, except for except 2020, for of course. Yep. Um, so I'm looking forward to hopefully keeping that going here. Um, but, yeah, so that's a little bit about me. Dylan, what do they need to know about you? Yeah, man. Uh, I've always been a big car guy. We've kind of been on the opposite ends of the spectrum, which is fun since we've known each other. You've been more into the imports and whatnot, and I've always loved the more domestic – you're the yep. kind of, you know, the Paul Work Walker to my Dom Toretto, <laughs> if you will. Um, but uh, we'll have plenty of Fast and Furious uh, inserts. Don't worry. Oh, for um, sure. It's coming. But yeah, I didn't actually get in with Drive to Survive. I've always just been a car guy. I live here in Austin. Um, the track is here, obviously. And, and for my birthday in 2018, uh, my wife got me F1 tickets. Um, we went with some friends that were like already super knowledgeable of the sport. They do like Baja and all kinds of like actual racing. And so just first time ever going to the track with people that know everything about the sport have been watching it since they were born. Um, I was just immediately hooked. Like it was so cool just having someone with a wealth of knowledge to just ask questions about why they do this strategy, this, what the cards are set up for all that. And ever since then, it's just been an absolute obsession all the way leading to you and I being in a podcast together about it. There you go. Dude, that was the one thing that really, I think, hooked me when you're, you're talking about strategy. And like from a, an outsider's perspective, you think, you know, you just hit the gas and drive. But then there's so much else that goes into, you know, a complete race day. And you got the two different cars and the pit stops and just all the different strategies. The that's the one thing. Exactly. That's the what gets me and what, what I really enjoy is there's so much more than just, you know, hitting the gas and going down the track. Yeah, absolutely. Even in boring races when there's no crashes, no, you know, crazy amounts of overtaking and whatnot. If you're actually watching what the strategy is and how they're setting up tires and how you know, they're undercutting and everything else is, it's always interesting. Like you can definitely have boring laps, but there's never a race that doesn't have interesting things going on. Right. So, you know, we're here to do a 2022 year in review basically. So how do you feel, or, you know, what was your take on the 2022, yeah, on the 2022 season as a whole and kind of like interested to see like what your predictions were going into the season and how that played out. 
Yeah, I mean, 2022, I think, was an awesome season. Um, brand new cars, one of the biggest regulation changes in cars in the history of the sport. Like, um, no one knew what was going to happen. We're coming from a, an era of Mercedes dominance, eight constructor championships. They've never, won, they've never lost the constructor championship in the V6 turbo hybrid era. Um, the just insane dominance, right? Um, coming off a crazy 21 season. So 22, I, I was super excited. You know, out of the gate, Mercedes comes out with some crazy, you know, package on their car like no one else. And you're just like, oh, man, here goes more of the same. But, yep. man, it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same at all. <laughs> the beginning of the season was so rocky. You're like, I have no idea what's going to happen. Ferrari's dominant. Red Bull's dominant. Mercedes is in the back of the pack hanging out with Williams. Like, what is going <laughs> on here? Um and then as the, you know, as the season played out, it was good drama, good, you know, Red Bull established after the, like, after like race six, Red Bull kind of just fully established dominance um, and took off with it. But there was just, it was great race craft, great racing going on, good politics and drama and all kinds of silliness happening. And, um, you know, Red Bull and Max obviously won the year early, but who's going to take number two, more drama yeah. on the Red Bull team, like just an awesome year um mercedes made one hell of a comeback from back of the pack to all of a sudden you know the george russell won the brazilian grand prix like outright too wasn't like everyone crashed and died and then george russell right. won it like they won um it, it's just cool it makes me even more excited for the 23 season yeah i'm definitely pumped and like you it was like i kind of figured the same thing it's like there's all these changes everybody's like oh you know it's going to make the race craft that or the racing that much better you're going to have more than you know, one team or two teams fighting for the top spot every week. But, you know, like always, I was like, no, Mercedes, they're going to pull it out. And like you said, sure enough, when they showed up with that car and you're like, oh, wow, see, let's see what Toto and, you know, Toto and gang did. Yeah. But it just didn't work. And it was surprising yeah. to see, which is it, it was pretty cool. You know, I say it's cool to see another team. And I'm like, oh, Ferrari was fighting for for, you know, podiums and, and race wins as well. But they only took like a year off, you know, a couple of years ago, yeah. Ferrari was right there anyways. So it was just, it's always good. People like to see like variety. You don't want to yeah. see every race, Lewis Hamilton or Max Verstappen 20 seconds ahead of the pack. And, you know, and, and then it's like, all right, well, who's going to be number two? Probably one of their partners. And it's always the, the top, you know, six people are always the same. So it's good to see other people in there. But again, it, it, it still kind of was, you know, more of the same. It was Red Bull and Ferrari every race. But it was exciting to see, like, what's Mercedes going to do? Where are they going to yeah. be at? And they made steps forward. Because they were making forward. massive improvements every yeah. time. Like, they kept coming and kept coming. I mean, kudos to them for just pure perseverance. Yeah. They did not give up. It would have been easy for Lewis to be like, you know what? I'm, I'm done with this. Just pack it in. Um, but I think that was one of the most exciting things this year is seeing Lewis and actually seeing his racecraft and, like, what makes him so good. Because everybody got put in this lull, I think, because for so long, Lewis was just so far Even ahead of Fernando the pack. Fernando insulted him mid-race, saying that this guy yeah. really knows how to drive from the front. You're like, man, that's fighting words. Right, yeah. But then you get to see him. Like, he's every race, he's coming out and fighting tooth and nail for every point and every position. And it was just, it was exciting to see. And I found myself, like, actually rooting for Lewis. Like, in the, the USGP in Coda, Max had already clinched the championship. So yeah. it's just like, all right, I, come on, Lewis. Let's see if you can do this. Let's keep the, stre uh, the streak of one race win a year at least up. For um, 16 you know? years, one race at That's least. That's crazy. He, sa he says, right. I saw an interview. He's like, oh, I, I don't really care about the stats. 
But I, I think that one's still going to get you a little bit. You're like, oh, I wish, a little you know, bit. one year. You know, one thing I, I respect the hell out of Lewis for, you know, he was talking about when Max won last year, uh, Max said he's going to put the number one on his car. And for all, those of y'all that don't know, if you're the world champion the following year, you can race with the number one on your car. It's the only time that you can race with it. Um, and they asked Lewis about it. And Lewis was like, every year's a new year. He was like, no, you, you, you know, I've always been number 44 and I would never put the number one on my car because I like every year's a new year and you don't know what's going right. to happen. It's like, man, that's respect. Like, yeah. Okay. Like, don't get ahead of yourself, kid. You still got a long yeah. ways to go. So, but uh, that was also pretty exciting to see. Like over the past couple of years, you could see Max coming into his own, and then this year he finally had a car underneath him that was able to match his his quality and caliber of driving. And to see him, man, the the leaps and bounds that he's taken. And you know, when you probably 2018, 2019. He was dive bombing everybody. Like he was crashing people. People were like afraid. They would see him in the mirrors and like, you better get out the way. Um, yeah. And now to see like he'll still take the some risks, but he's a back. lot more calculated. Yeah, exactly for sure. Definitely a lot more calculated in his risks. Yeah, that's what I li- in 2021 like he was driving with that monkey on his back hard, and he, you could tell just pure rage and aggression. You, you know, even heard dudes on the radio be like, "Oh God, Max is behind me." <laughs> It's like, yeah, I'd, I'd probably say the same thing. Like <laughs> this year was much more mature driving, much more calculation. He also had the car to be more mature and calculated about it, even though Leclerc was giving him a run every time in, in qualifying, come race pace. There's just nothing that could touch that Red Bull. Yeah, him, him and Leclerc did have some pretty good battles too. Oh, like they, you could Especially tell that they've like been – first four races. Yes. Oh, my God. You could tell that they've been racing together for many, many years, and like they're comfortable racing each other. And so yeah. to see that, that was impressive. But then, you know, you see him and Lewis get together, and again, it's still fireworks every time, which I love. I, it's so exciting. I would love to talk to them one day, like when all said and done, and I, I, they've obviously got respect for each other as racers. I wonder if they, you know, text. Do you think they hang out? I DM each other. I, I don't think so. I don't no, think I don't so. Either. I don't know. <laughs> I think there's some some drivers, yes, but not not those two. <laughs> not those two. <laughs> Is it? I, I think that video or that picture you saw where they all all the drivers went out to eat dinner. Yes. Like they were not it, sitting next to each other. That, no. <laughs> there's quite a few people that were not next to each other. Someone did like an analysis yep. and like pointed out where all the teammates were, and yeah, it was kind of funny. Max wasn't sitting by anyone. But hey, yeah, I know, and it was bro. interesting too because that was right after. Um, the, the race where Max basically said, I'm not, you know, giving up a position or I'm not, you know, going to help out Checo. And so it was like, oh, are they, are they cool? Let's like, let's see if they're sitting next to each other. At dinner. There was so much dramatization on that. Like so much reading way too into it. Oh, I can't wait to see uh, Drive to Survive this year and what they have to say about pr- all the crap that happened this year, but especially I that thought one. Max said he wasn't going to be in Drive to Survive this year because it was too fake. Yeah, well, he, he wasn't in last year either. I think he, he was only in that first year, and then he was like, no, I'm not doing this. Hey, it's lonely at the top, bro. It is. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the picture now from the dinner, and it's trying to see Max. I don't even see Max in here. I know he's here somewhere. Let me get is, – is Stroll and Latifi sitting next to each other? I feel like those two are, would probably be sitting next to each other. <laughs> they are at the children's table. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't see Stroll and Latifi here either. Oh, no. Lance Stroll's at the very back of the table. Like, the, the very back. I don't, yeah, I don't even see Latifi. Oh, I see Latifi. Latifi's next to George Russell and uh, Alex Albon. Yeah, that's, 
Uh, that's kind of fitting. Albon's bleached hair. <laughs> he looks so funny this year with his hair color. He does, and it's funny because he's he's technically from Thailand. He is allowed to race under the Thai flag as he does, but he's as British as it gets. Like I think he grew up in London. Like he did all of his race school in London or in Britain, like yep. or England, whatever the, the island. I don't know what name they go under, but. Um. <laughs> all right. So with with 2022, kind of interested to see what you thought as far as like your heroes and zeros for this year. Oh, man. I mean, heroes definitely got a few. I mean, I think, uh, you know, obviously Max Verstappen won it all. We've been talking about him. Easy to put him up there. Um, Lewis Hamilton, um, both Mercedes drivers, actually. I'm not a huge George Russell fan. I used to be when he was at Williams. I kind of lost a lot of interest in him la- this year. Yeah. But that aside, his racecraft was incredible. To be in the top five in that car every single race was just an absolute t- testament of how good of a driver he is. Yeah, And also um, going up against Lewis Hamilton as your partner. That's that's no easy feat. And yeah, out, seven outpacing him a lot champion. of times. Yeah, I mean, he George Russell straight up beat Lewis this year on if in pure racing in a vacuum, right? Right. Um, you know, he he was going from the Williams car, which was not a great car by <laughs> any stretch of the means, to a not very good Mercedes, but was still a huge step up from that Williams car. Yeah. Um, you know, Lewis Hamilton went from the greatest arguably one of the greatest cars in the history of f1 to one of the not so greatest and it was a big step back i like how uh, I toto I mean, said they're going to put it up as like at the the factory as a reminder of how bad things can get yeah i mean they were all shitting all over that car like they did not everyone knew it was bad i mean i remember end of one race um Toto was talking to Lewis on the radio and was like, I'm sorry, we've got such a crap car for you, yeah. man. Like, we're doing everything you can. You're like, man, that's 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 bad. Pretty hard to come over the radio <laughs> to say that. Like, but um, you know, just the pure perseverance of Mercedes to go from what the number six, number seven team um to competing with the one and two, like that's yeah. incredible. That was awesome. Um, zeros. I mean, Latifi and Stroll are always going to be on that list. Just like they just hold a spot. So we'll, we'll put them yep. up there for you know, general purposes. We can have a whole, like, we'll do a Stroll and then a Latifi podcast on oh, geez. the entertainment <laughs> value there. Other zeros. Oh, man. I love him. He's your hero, but Danny. Oh, damn it, Danny. He, yeah. He just. Just wasn't. This whole McLaren move for him just hasn't panned out. And I was I was so excited about it when it first happened, right? When he left Red Bull, I was like, oh, that's, you know, bold move. But he wanted to be a number one driver, and he went to Alpine, and they obviously weren't very good that year. But they were getting better, and they were showing promise. Yeah. And then he did, what, two years, I think, at Alpine. And, and then, then skated out of that contract. There was yes. some drama there. But at, at the time, it seemed like a good move. McLaren seemed to be on the come, on the come up. And then even that first year at McLaren, like they were, they took a small step back, but they're still doing pretty well. And, you know, of course he got the one race win, which is, you know, not a normal race by any stretch of the imagination, but he still got a race win. Their first win in like 10 years or something like that. Yeah. Um, and it's his eighth win, I believe. I mean, Danny's yeah. won some races. Yeah. He's won some races. He, he know he's a good driver. He knows what he's doing. It's just you know, something about that car. He just was not able to mesh with that car. Like Lando Norris outperformed him all the time. Yeah. All the time. 
But it's I think it you kind of see that in the same uh, like with Seb, when you look at when Seb went to uh, Ferrari, you know, after the regulation changes when he left Red Bull, you know, there were some changes then, and he just couldn't get on top of it in that Ferrari. Like, he was there. He was fighting for wins. He just wasn't as dominant as he was before that. And I think it was the same thing with uh, with Danny. It's like he got to, to McLaren, and he just didn't have whatever it was. He just could not do it. He could not get a, grab, a, gris, eh, a grasp of that car. So, unfortunately – that he's going to be leaving the sport for a little bit, but hopefully he'll be back. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I'm excited to see what happens there with all the behind-the-scenes uh, drama going on at Red Bull with Sergio and whatnot. Now, Sergio did a great job. He's an awesome racer. I enjoyed the crap out of him, but he's got an eight-time race winner, Honey Badger, sitting in his yep. you know, third, sitting in his rear view waiting for him to make a mistake. I'd be uh, a little excited to see how that plays out because, I mean – it's not going to take much for Danny to get back in that car. And I think you put him in that dominant Red Bull with a fresh, um, fresh will to win in him. Right. Yeah. going to, it's going to be like George Russell in 21 when he got that chance to move up from Williams to Mercedes. Cause Lewis got COVID. And oh yeah. He, he was chomping all over. <laughs> Lewis was, or uh, George was like, I don't care if I break this car, I'm going to prove yep. that I am a Mercedes driver here. And he absolutely did. I think you're going to see the same thing. If Sergio gets a little cough and can't dr- hop in that car for a race, Danny's <laughs> going to be all over it. Sergio's going to start coughing and he's going to be like, no, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> Please don't pull Danny, me out. If I was, if I was Sergio, I'd watch what I drink, make sure Danny's not around. <laughs> Look, if he's not feeling, he has to be feeling the pressure. You know, he is. Yeah. there's no way. I mean, Red Bull has proven time and time again that you will get yanked from that car. So to have somebody like that. Races. Oh, two exactly. Races gone. Like. Yep. To have somebody like that in the wings at the back of the paddock, just waiting. No, that's he'd, he'd be poisoning your water. Yeah. Right. <laughs> He's like, oh, here you go, Sergio. I was like, no, no, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't this want just that. <laughs> for you. <laughs> um, so, what about you? Uh, heroes uh, and zeros. What do you got? Man, on the heroes, I'm still saying that uh, Fernando Alonso, for me, was a huge hero of the season. Like, this guy, to be 41 years old, right, to come back, you know, took some time off of the sport. I feel like Fernando's been racing for since the beginning of time. I don't know, like for decades yeah. he's been racing in Formula 1. Two-time world Took champion, time off. Monaco winner. Yep. To- and then for him to come back and then this year to do what he did in that car that was arguably a, a gigantic unreliable piece of crap, right? He had 5 DNFs this season, which majority almost all of them were because of reliability issues, and he still finished 9 points behind his teammate who had only two or three DNFs. So he had two extra races basically that he finished and he was still only nine points behind him. So the things that he is doing in that car is amazing. It's awesome to watch. And I love how he's like, you know, like those old people that, you know, once they get older, they just don't give a damn anymore. They'll say whatever's on their mind. They'll do whatever they want. Cause they're just right like, oh, I'm old. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and so I love how Fernando, like he drives like that, the things that he says, and it's just, it's awesome to watch. I love it. And I can't, you know, I I don't think it's going to be as good next year in that Aston Martin. I, I don't think it's just a, it's not as good of a car no. unless they make some changes. Who knows? Um, but, you know, I don't blame him for leaving because Alpine did not give him a car that's reliable enough to for him to have a good result, basically. 
Yeah, and he's not ready to hang it up. He's not ready to go to the back pasture and help with development of the crappy cars. Like, he's yeah. absolutely still wanting to compete. You can see it. And Fernando's entertaining to me because, like, some of the things that I, di- that I dislike is when drivers start playing politics. But it's also super entertaining because Fernando plays politics hardcore. But yep. you almost get, like, the double, like, anything he says on the radio, you're like, is he trying to screw with people? Or is that for real? Or is the car during, you know, during free practice, is the car really that slow? Is he sandbagging it? I don't know. He's just yep. kind of a consistent wild card because he's, you know, Lewis, Lewis, is, uh, Lewis is who he is, right? Like if that car is slow on a weekend, he's just not having a great weekend. If that car is lightning fast, he's on his game. Like there's no politics with Lewis other than constantly being on the radio complaining about his tires going off. But you know, <laughs> And then getting fast as lap. And then getting fastest lap. But I don't think that's politics. I just think that's <laughs> Lewis. You know, Fernando's the polar opposite. Like, he loves to play the game, which a part of me is just like, oh, just be a race car driver. But at the same time, it brings that little extra bit where I'm like, I don't know if Fernando's messing around this weekend or not. Like, yep. oh, all of a sudden he's holding a Red Bull off. Like, look at that. He's not letting Sergio go by, and he's actually holding him off. Like, this is incredible. There was that one race in Sochi last year in 2021 where they were having all the um, all the, the back and forth about track limits. And so on the mm-hmm. first turn, he just completely missed the turn on purpose and just cut the corner. Do you remember that one? No, I don't. Oh, dude, it was awesome because they were talking about it all weekend about the track limits and how he kept going back and he was like arguing with Michael Massey and the FIA about it. And he was like, all right, well, it's it's a loophole. So he just like to prove a point just straight lined it through the first turn, just completely off track and they couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> There's no penalty. They changed the rules after I'm pretty sure, but he went through the escape area and came out in third place, <laughs> but then he let off. So he, he, he knew what he did. Like he just did it to prove a point, but he went yeah. through it, came out in third place and then let off to let the, the two cars pass him back. <laughs> just to prove it though. That's just awesome. to prove it. Like I love that about him. Yeah. Uh, and then so you know, going going with the zeros, of course the the Danny Rick, unfortunately, is it was he would be mine, my zero. Such a sad state of events. Yeah, it was, and he was pretty defeated in some of those post interviews. Like you never see an interview without him smiling, and a couple of those interviews, you could just tell he was like <laughs> utterly depressed. Like, but how ridiculous shit. was the Coda interview? Where he's like, it's, I felt so bad for him, but he had those damn mutton chops or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) He had the handlebar mustache. (laughs) It's like, he's sitting here like this guy is like on his, on, on the brink, but he looks so ridiculous right now. (laughs) Uh, Maybe, maybe next year for Coda, we'll copy him and bring the handlebars back. And I'm a hundred percent down. Can, can you, can you get me a horse? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to ride in on a horse. <laughs> um, all right, teams. What teams did stood out this year? Uh, good and bad stood out. Mm. I, you know, I I love a good Red comeback Bull side, story. We can't say Red Bull. So oh, for they, sure. They, yeah. Yeah. Ignore them. Yeah, I was gonna say I love a good comeback story, man. So I love watching what Mercedes was able to do. You know, to come. From the back, and especially after being dominant for so long, everybody was like, oh, it's another Mercedes, you know, mind trick when they got the uh, preseason testing and they're like, oh, our car is actual garbage. They're like, yeah, okay, yeah. And, but then the race one came and you saw it actually because was garbage. everybody sandbags in testing. Like yep. you can, 
like watch any podcast, watch any commentator. Like everyone's like, who knows? Like testing doesn't mean anything to us because everybody is sandbagging. Yep. Yeah, but they weren't lying this time. So to yeah, see to see how they fought back from the back from the back of the pack was impressive this year. So I'd say they, as far as team go, that would be my my hero. I think zero for me would probably be Alpha Tauri. They just they had. Ooh. I felt like they had so much promise and like they were on the up and up like uh, 2020, 2021. And then 2022, they just weren't there this year. They didn't do much this year. They weren't even a mid pack team. Like they were, no. a, they were a, towards the back of the mid pack. So I, I would definitely say that they were my, my zero for the teams at least. Yeah, I can, I can see that for sure. What about you? You know, I, not to beat a dead horse, Mercedes for the hero team. Very impressed. Not generally a Mercedes fan. Um, I got my zero is Ferrari though. Really? Um, Ferrari had arguably the fastest car out there, and they absolutely botched and blew the season based purely on strategy and stupid decisions. That yes, very like, much so. You literally, I, I mean. I don't even know what to say, like how bad their strategy was. It was laughable. Um, it, you know, when the, when the team engineer sitting in front of the computer with all of the information in front of him calls down to Charles Leclerc, Char Charles Leclerc and is like, what is it that you want to do? <laughs> you're like, Ooh, that's a bad sign. That's a really bad sign. Um, God, they, I mean, they literally blew their own season. They could have, they did. They, they could have at least competed and not let Max and Red Bull take an early win, early world championship and constructors championship throughout the year, but and lose to them by two hundred points. Um, they could have absolutely competed, and they shot themselves in the foot. Yeah, it was it was laughable some of the the strategy calls that they made, and like you said, the way they would blow races or like blow complete shots, and then you know uh, Bonato at that one uh, interview, they asked him about one of the strategy calls that they made. And the fact that he was just like, oh, you know, we weren't going to win anyways. To me, it's yeah. just like you, you don't, you don't, that's not the mentality you need to have. It doesn't matter if you weren't going to win. You still fumbled the call and, you know, you fumbled the ball or whatever, but they should have, yeah, I don't know. They, they definitely blew it. They had a pretty, a really fast car. They had and, a really you know, fast car. Leclerc could absolutely hook that car up during quality. And I mean, he set what, nine uh, pole positions yeah. in qualifying? Right, so for everyone that doesn't know, like qualifying is to set the grid. You do three rounds of it, eliminating five cars each time. The third round of qualification is is a uh, third round of qualifying is the top ten cars, and whoever sets the fastest lap starts the uh, starts the race off in the first position. And man, Leclerc nine times, most of anybody set the fastest lap, and he only won two races <laughs> from first position. Like, those those aren't good odds. It was crazy. Like, and I mean, I think Signs got his maiden pole victory, but I think it was one of those mini wet races where he got out there first and set mm -hmm. out on dry tires and the rain started. I don't think he actually ever earned a first uh, pole position. So Leclerc yeah. actually had three race wins this year. Three race wins. Three. So but only two from pole. Still not good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, two from pole. But the fastest car on the track, arguably. Like, yep. It was pretty crazy um, just how bad their strategy was. <laughs> you know, poor Carlos, his car usually caught on fire and exploded <laughs> at some point. 
Like you know, your, Leclerc okay. was already in the pits when his engineer was telling him to stay on the track and not the pit. And he's like, "I'm my tires are being put on right now." Like, he's like hey, turn I'm, around. I'm literally behind hey. you. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was just laughably bad. It was sad almost. Like even the commentators on F1 TV were like, "Man, how is Ferrari going to screw this stuff up?" To oh, they're pitting Leclerc on lap seven. That's interesting. <laughs> um, it was bad. So how do you feel about um, uh, Ferrari with their new team principal for next year? That'll be interesting. Um, I hope, and I don't think it was. I mean, Ferrari has that, like, super um, typical, like, uh, pride is the best word for it. it always, I always think of uh, everyone's seen Rush, uh, the Nicky Lauda, James Hunt with um, movie. And when uh, Nicky Lauda goes and drives the Ferrari around the track and he comes back and he's like, it's shit. The, yeah. the guy that he's like, you can't say that it's a Ferrari. And he's like, why can't I say that? It's absolute shit. And the guy's like, you can't, he's like freaking out. He's like, Hey man, you can't, it's a Ferrari. You can't say that. <laughs> but like, that's how I feel they were doing. Like, yeah. Um, and I was afraid they were going to do the same thing for the principal. They're going to hire some mouthpiece who is a Ferrari fanatic, who is going to do them proud at being overly proud of being a Ferrari driver uh, or Ferrari team principal. But I don't think they did that. This this guy, I don't know a whole lot about him, but he's got a great pedigree. Um, so he comes from uh, Sauber, so Alfa Romeo. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, other than that. Out of, it is an Italian. Um, Alfa Romeo comes out of Italy, so he is Italian, mm -hmm. but. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, anything's better. You could have put a monkey at the team principal <laughs> position. It would have done better than uh, they did last year. Yeah, that wasn't good. But when you look at the story from uh, Mattia Bonato, like he started off pretty low in the team and ended up working his way up to becoming a team principal. It's a pretty good story, but it's uh, clearly wasn't as effective as you would hope or you would need. Yeah, it was a swing and a miss last year. Yeah, I was just looking it up. Um, so Alpha Tauri came in ninth in the constructors this year. They Ooh, were beat by Haas. <laughs> so that's that just shows you how bad they were this year. That's they were beat by Haas. <laughs> and so I, I know a lot of people oh, were kind of Haas came out swinging for the fences in the first like three races. Like K Mag was up there in the top ten, yeah. competing. It was like oh snap. Haas what happened really though? They just lost. Man, it. they. I, I wonder how much of it was budget caps and stuff like that. Like, his other teams continue to spend money on car upgrades and updates and whatnot. I don't think Haas could keep up. Well, um, you had Mick Schumacher that was crashing the cars every other weekend. And I, so I, I did yeah, see yeah. an article the other day. I you know, have no way to fact check it, but they said that he cost the team $4 million just in his crashes alone, which for a team like Haas is a, a pretty big amount. Yeah, it's a huge amount. Not to mention budget cut or budget caps and all that good stuff. Like, yeah, that that's pretty rough. Um, and you know, Mick got cut this year, which I, I get. What Haas is still in a heavy rebuilding phase. Um, Gunther said it best, and Gunther is the team principal of Haas. Um, he said he had nothing against Mick, and Mick was definitely improving, but Mick was growing as Haas was growing which I think is a fair True. statement. He yeah. said, we need somebody that's ahead of where we are to help pull the entire team forward, not someone that 
grows as the team grows. It's, it's right. a sl- that's a slower growth than what they need. And I'm like, that's that's actually a pretty fair statement. I, I do agree on that. Like, I hate that Mick is right now out of F1. Um, just, I mean, the Schumacher name is, is hard mm-hmm. not to feel something that, for. That's tough, though, man. Like, you've got a, a, a quite a big shadow, right, hanging over yeah. you with that Schumacher name. So I think for him, that's, you know, a tough thing to come in. And I, I thought it was pretty cool to hear the story about how, like, coming up in some of the junior divisions and karting, like, he didn't even use the name. Um, he would use yeah. d- a different name because of that, which is, you know, fair. Um, but, you know, this might actually be a blessing in disguise for Mick. You know, there's a lot of rumors now that he's going to be announced as the Mercedes reserve driver. Um, so, you know, he could potentially be in with the top team, get his foot in the door with them, come up under their, you know, leadership. He's got Lewis Tutelage. Hamilton right there. You know, Lewis is a great, you know. Toto. Oh, Toto for for sure. So he's got he'll have some good role models and some good mentors if that does in fact come true that he is their reserve driver. Um, so this might not actually be such a bad thing. It, it probably sucks in the 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 moment for sure, losing your drive. But in the long run, it might actually work out for him. And now Haas has K Mag, who did a great job this year, and Nico Hulkenberg. Hulkenberg, back, baby. Hulkenberg. I mean, that dude just hangs around. That's for sure. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see. He's like the definition of German. Like you look at that man, his tall, blonde, blue eyes. Yeah. You're like, dude, you look German <laughs> as German gets. Like, it's hilarious. Yeah, um, I love the story from last year when uh, who was it? Lance Stroll, I think, got COVID, or was it 2020? One of them. And it's like Nico said he was sitting at a cafe, got the phone call. And he's like, yep, I'll be there. He said he jumped, uh, jumped on the Autobahn and just, like, sped there. <laughs> got in, squeezed into a race suit, got in the seat, and drove the car. Yeah. Like, and I don't think people realize how hard that is to do. I mean, you like, look yeah. at the weights. When, when drivers weigh in, they will lose 8 to 10 pounds during a race from sweat and exha- exhaustion. Like, it is... Yep physically demanding when kevin magnuson came back in he was he was training up for le mans which obviously does not pull the kind of g's that an f1 car does that first race he was just complaining about his neck killing him yeah going around those turns like that's not easy to do man is it that's a physically demanding sport for sure yeah and for him i was just looking up he has 181 race starts so he has got a ton of experience and also zero podiums, wins. <laughs> no <Yeah>. wins, no <laughs> podiums, but a lot of starts. So he's bringing a ton of experience, and we got to so see. What you're like, telling me is him and Latifi are like even. Oh, not even close. <laughs> me and Latifi might be even when it comes to talent, but he's got. Um, but for him, I can at least crash the car is good. Oh, for sure. I don't know. Latifi's actually got a lot of experience. He's pretty good at that. You see that that one, the last one, or is was it Latifi and Stroll when they both spun yeah, out together? No, it was Latifi and uh, and Schumacher. Oh, and Schumacher, yeah, yeah, the two guys leaving. Yeah, they, it was they one of the pirouetted together. It was beautiful. Around. It was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> You're just oh, like, man. ah, yes, you two, of course, of course, but of course. Stroll's busy breaking under or swerving under braking and taking out his future teammate. Dude, that guy's a wild card. He's a liability. He's an absolute. I love when that happened, though, when you've got Fernando Alonso, who is one of the most vocal drivers on the track. The crash in Coda happened where he went to pass Stroll. Stroll made a, a late, dangerous move, and Alonso basically goes airborne. 
and then quickly Literally he's just like airborne like you're staring <laughs> yeah. at the bottom of the car like hey. it's not a little jump like you you could have looked at the wind tunnels underneath <laughs> the car and then the fact that alonzo really didn't say much about it because he knows that his father is writing his checks for next year. If that was anybody else, <laughs> anybody else on the grid, there would have been a complete been earful. The best commentary. Oh my god, <laughs> it would have been amazing. He's just like, "Oh, it was a late move. It was dangerous." It's like, "Come on, don't yeah, bite your tongue, like, no, Fernando." No <laughs> but dude, what a say testament it. to these cars, say it, though, Fernando. man. <laughs> when you watch dude, like you the... and I were at Coda, do you remember we were watching the? Um the women's series at Coda and up, they went Ooh. around turn one. Um, same thing happened. Uh, one of the drivers hit the wheel of another one when airborne came down, it broke her back. Yeah. Like, I remember that's that. That's how hard she hit the ground. Like that's, that was exactly what went through my mind when I saw Fernando go airborne is I was like, there's no way like, and he finished the race. I know. And he's 41 years old. Yeah. That's wild. He was getting out of that car real slow at the end of it. <laughs> He had a few ice baths, I think, right afterwards. Yeah, but, uh, for sure. He finished the race. Dude, I couldn't. Yeah, that was crazy. I thought for sure he was going to be out of the race. If not, you know, barring any injuries, but that car. How did the car survive that? Yeah. Because you know it, it smacked was definitely the impressive. hard. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah. Definitely impressive. Um, So what were your favorite races this year? I think there was some pretty good races. There were some bangers this year. There's also some pretty boring races, though. Um, Yeah, there were. Um. I mean, the first couple of races were great just because no one knew what to expect and the, the race craft was on point and there was all the drama. Both Ferraris retiring out of the first race and Red or, uh, I'm sorry, Both Red, Red Bulls. Bulls retiring and Ferrari looking quite dominant. Um, man, Silverstone was awesome. Plus, you had an awesome accident with uh, Joe, who was okay, luckily. Yeah. Um, it was an awesome accident because everyone survived completely unharmed, but the car ended up upside down, skating across a gravel trap and into a fence. Like, wedged between a barrier and a fence. <laughs> yeah. And caught on fire. What a freak like, accident, a, though. That's so crazy. Testament to those halos. Yeah. Like, absolutely saved his life. Hands down. Yep, he would for sure. Um, but because of it, he came out completely unscathed, and we get to watch it on replay going, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but man, Silverstone was a great race. Monaco this year was awesome. It usually isn't. Nope. nope. Um, it has a ton of hype, but most of the time, Monaco's won on Saturday. It's so hard to pass on that street circuit. But um, we had lots of drama with Red Bull and Sergio crashing out so Max didn't get pulled. <laughs> and then it poured on Sunday. So we had a wet race, which was awesome around, you know, Monaco's. The street circuit's barely big enough to fit a car around it. Like, right. you had a, how slippery it was. Like, that was a great race. Um, but Coda, Coda was my favorite. Yeah, it was. Coda just, this year it was had, awesome. It had all of it. it. We had retirements. We had safety car. We had great strategy. Good racing. Lewis was up for win. Like, man, it, it was just the perfect all around race. And it was here, so you know. Yeah. That that was that was awesome because you know we never get to watch that one because we're there, but so to actually see that on TV was super exciting. I thought that one, probably Coda and Brazil were my two favorites this year. Brazil was a pretty good race, but yeah, I'd say Coda yeah, for sure was one. my top race. Yep, yep. Old George. Yeah, that that was great. And we went to Mexico this year, which was awesome. Um, we went to the Mexico City Grand Prix, which was super fun to go to. Um, oh yeah. 
so we're, we're still trying to figure out where we're going this coming year um but yeah i'm dude i've been doing my research i'm, I'm thinking brazil might be the one are you and i going to survive rio is the question potentially <laughs> it's actually it's, it's sao paulo so it's not as bad i guess where do we fly into sao paulo oh, okay cool we'll see we i think i think we'll be fine rio. Yeah, we should at least one of us will make it. Yeah, okay. Make good <laughs> stories. The podcast for that one, when it's only one of us, so the other one has to make a good story of what happened. So I think with you know 2022, obviously pretty exciting. 2023, we've got some pretty big changes coming up. We've got now two more, U- well, one more U.S. race, which is going to make three. So this year we had Miami added to the uh, calendar, which – there was a lot of hype around Miami. The race was rather boring, I thought. It was actually really boring. It was, and it was super expensive. Like, I live in Florida, and it was way, way cheaper for me to go to Mexico than to go to the, the Miami GP. Yeah. The tickets, the three-day general admissions were like a grand, which is absolutely yeah. bonkers. I couldn't believe how much that was. Um, and I would have assumed that Vegas isn't going to be much different. Vegas no, might be Vegas cool. Vegas is going to be it. The problem with Vegas is the beer is going to be $20 a pop. Yes. Like, oh, for sure. It's just going to be cripplingly expensive. Um, but they're going to go down the strip. I mean, it's one of those that I'm very curious. I'm excited it's at Vegas. I mean, can you imagine that weekend in Vegas? Like how Wild. crazy it's going to be. Um, I'm curious how good the race will actually be. You know, street circuit down the strip which is pretty cool but for everyone that's driven the strip it's not super wide it's not right it's not great for passing it's just kind of more iconic yeah um but yeah we got three in the u.s it's growing like crazy here mexico city's been extended canada's been extended i mean we got five races in north america now yeah um that's it's only going to keep growing i I was watching online there was a lot of europeans that were upset when two when you know it was announced that now we're gonna have three races in america and then i started looking at the distance and i'm like america's pretty damn big so th- for people in england like there's tons of races you could drive to in a weekend in america we had the one in texas and the one in miami if you lived on the west coast that's not a normal drive like that's a, a full like no. you're gonna have to fly or whatever now that we have three that's really awesome it's a super good opportunity for a lot of people in america to be able to get out um, and like you said, even Mexico. So for us last year, we went to Mexico because Coda, it costs more to go to Coda, even with you living there in Austin, than it did for us to fly down to Mexico City. Mexico City was a beautiful city. It was an awesome experience. Was incredible. So I was Especially so pleased Sergio, with that. Sergio, all of the fans for Sergio there. It was, oh, we had so much fun. All the, the everything. The thing, I, what's up? The issue I have with Coda is we've always done general admission which is great, but everyone does general admission. There's like no limit to that. And so the past couple of years, it has been packed. If I go back to Coda, I'm buying grandstand tickets. Yeah, like, that, that first hill, or the, the hill on turn one, turn where you, one, that's where everybody wants to be. But in order to get a good spot there, you have to show up at like four in the morning and just basically so, camp out for the gates to open. And then once the gates open, at what I think they open at like seven or eight, the race doesn't start until three o'clock in the afternoon. So you're just yeah. sitting there all day. And you can't leave your spot. You can't move. Yeah. So you're just there. So yeah, I would definitely say like if we're going back or for anybody else that wants to go, definitely recommend spending the extra cash and getting grandstand seats. 
to have that freedom. Or if you want to just go, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, it's that, like we had in, we got grandstands in Mexico, and we had that freedom where we could do whatever we want during the day, show up for qualifying or show up for the race and then leave instead of having to get there when the gates open and just sit. And it, it just takes away your whole weekend. So definitely you want to get seats. Yeah. I think if you just want to kind of experience Formula One, like go on Saturday, like buy yeah. a Saturday ticket, go to free practice three, go to qualifying, go walk around the track, have a ton of fun, see the cars, hear the hear them, which is an incredible sound. Um, but race day, if you're not in a grandstand, it's not a great time. Yeah. I think and you and I got there six hours early <laughs> and we couldn't even see the track. Yep. And even being there, I mean, you don't get to see the race. You get to be in the environment and you get to hear the cars when they go by. But then that's it. Like you don't get to see a lot of the on track action. Even if there are TVs. $14 beers. Oh yeah. $14 beers. The food's expensive. But it's one hell of an experience. Oh yeah, it's awesome. Highly recommend it. Like go do it. But that's if you're getting more into the actual race craft of everything and wanting to watch the race, general admission at Coda is not gonna be your friend. Yeah, for sure. Coda did a good job Um, though of, of having so much other things that you can do. And the fact that you could yes. walk around and have full access to the entire track, I thought that was pretty cool. You know, Mexico, we were kind of restricted to our area that we were at. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's always stuff, especially like you said on Saturday, there's different series that are racing. You got some of the uh, the historical cars that are going around the track. You know, a lot of stuff always going on, especially. You might Dakota. get Danny Rick and uh, Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s number oh. three Monte Carlo. Can't believe we missed that. Oh, dude. Rip my soul out. Anyways. Well, well, cool. So 2022 in review. Great year. Had a lot of fun. A lot of changes. Um, before we hang it up for today, 2023 predictions. First first podcast. We're going to rewind to this. Give me one, two, three constructors and one, two, three drivers. All right. So I think constructors for next year. I'm going to say I'm going to go constructors, Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari. Ooh. I I think they're gonna okay. they're gonna figure it out. And Mercedes has two extremely talented drivers that are very consistent. Um, and for my drivers, I'm still gonna go with Max. I'm gonna put Lewis in number two though, and then George third place. I, I don't think Sergio. Once George is on his game in a good car, I don't think Sergio is gonna be able to hang with him. No, Sergio just doesn't have the killer instinct. Nope. Like. You know, they talked about it in um, that final race when he was running down Leclerc. Yep. And Sergio and Leclerc went into the race tied um, in points for second place. So winner take all. Um, you know, they put made some arguably questionable calls on the tires and the pit stops and whatnot. But, um, you know, Sergio had the tires, had 15 laps to run Leclerc down and pass him and just didn't do nope. it. Nope. Couldn't do it. Um, just couldn't do it. And, you know, even the commentators, you know, you put Max Verstappen, you put Lewis Hamilton, you put some of those people with just that raw killer instinct, they'd run it down every time. Yeah. And um, Sergio just didn't, you know, he was playing it safe. He started getting out of control and trying too hard and blowing his tires off yeah. and overheated. And, you know, it just, it was not there so i agree with you on that i think sergio's an awesome backup driver to max um he's just also not gonna ever win a world champion yeah he's, he's sure. a good botas he's a good botas he's a good <laughs> rubens barrichello he's a good you know what about stroll. you for your uh, constructors and drivers next year 
Oh, man. I, I, I'm going to agree with your constructors. I'm going to go Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari. Um, Ferrari having a brand new team principal. Um, the car is fast, but you got some team building to do there. And I think yeah. that that was super crushing to them this year. And I think it's going to be detrimental to them next year. Red Bull, you know, they've got their head on straight. They've got their team. They've got a good backup driver. They've got everything they need to be on top. I just don't see them being able to stop Mercedes yeah. from out-engineering them um, and out-leading them. I think Total Wolf is probably the best team principal in the entire F1 uh, league. So yeah. Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari, and then, oof. Yeah, I see Max winning next year. Yeah. I'm hoping it's a scrap, though. I'm hoping it's Max going to throw a Lewis in there and I'm going to throw Leclerc in third though. Oh, okay. I don't I'm going to throw Leclerc in third. George is consistent, but he's also like a British boarding school boy that <laughs> I think is not going to be able to take the gloves off and fight for the win. I'm going to put Leclerc in third place, but Lewis will take second, Max will take first, and it's going to go to the end of the season. There's not going to be a Ooh. premature winner. That's you know what that's all I hope for. It's like when people have a, a yeah. baby and they're like, "You want a boy or a girl?" And they're like, oh, "I just wanted to be healthy." It's like I don't care who wins. I just want it to be exciting. Yeah. Yeah, but that's also a lie because anyone that says, "Oh, I don't really care. I just want it to be healthy," it's like you're just trying not to jinx it. We all know you want one. <laughs> you <laughs> right. Want, we all know that so, you want somebody to win. You just don't want to <laughs> say you want Lewis to win. Oh, I, I I would be down with that. I I could. It'd be exciting to see an eighth time con or a championship. You know, that'd be pretty cool. First one. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he arguably deserves it. All right. Well, let's do uh let's hop on again and we'll next time we'll go over kind of the changes going into 2023. You know, we kind of touched on yep. some of the driver changes this, this time around, but we can get more in depth into that and uh, we'll just keep them coming out whenever anything newsworthy you know hits the news for formula one related we'll hop on and do one and then i'm excited for the season we should be doing at least weekly you know at least uh every time there's a race but oh, hopefully we'll, we'll hop sure on and weekly. do some yeah hopefully hop on and do some qualification you know reviews and predictions and all that and should be a fun exciting year yeah absolutely looking forward to it all right well thank you dylan we'll catch you all next time sounds good stay classy america hey <laughs>